Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from StickerGiant. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stickers on the Mic. I'm Andrew from the marketing team. I am very fortunate today to be dialing in one of our customers, Cliff Cuvillon from Leisureman's Cocktails, who's going to talk all about how he came up with this brilliant idea. I was able to write up a blog post about him a few months back. I really dug their story. Cliff, welcome and thank you for joining us on Stickers on the Mic. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Really appreciate it. So Cliff, like I said, I found you through Instagram. You were tagging us quite a bit uh, back in the day there. And I reached out and I said, I want to write about you. Tell me more about this product. I know the story, but why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what Leisureman's is and how you came up with that idea to start? Yeah, absolutely. So if you pretty much ask anybody or if anybody asks me about why I started Leisureman's, I'll tell you it was out of necessity. So the, the story goes that I was on a hiking trip, kind of a hiking trip I go on every year for Mardi Gras uh, with my buddy, my college buddies. And we hike in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. We hike up to this lodge on top of Mount LeConte. Yep. And that year it was bitter cold. You know, I think the temperatures got down to about negative 17 when we were up there. But, you know, in, in typical hiker fashion, we packed less food and less clothes and we subbed all that for booze. So between three people, we had five bottles of whiskey. And, you know, you, the thing about whiskey is it's delicious by itself. It's delicious in that case when you're putting snow in it and water. And at the end of the day, you just want a cocktail. So we ended up trying to scrounge all these ingredients together. And what we found worked best for us up on the mountain was tang. And we really wanted to make an old fashioned. So that's kind of why we use Tang and we needed a bottle of bitter. So we tried to formulate how could we make bitters and what could we use to make bitters. The caretaker up there found this bottle and I kid you not, this is the craziest thing. He found a bottle of Angostura bitter from 1972, brought it out. So we started making what we call mountain fashions. We drank on those for a couple of days and as we were hiking down and it's, it's in the negatives as we're hiking down and anybody knows, you know, you guys know you're in Colorado when the negatives, things just start freezing. Your eyes start freezing. You start getting snow and ice around your feet and everything just starts freezing up. That entire time, I'm having this intense business conversation with myself and with my college buddies about this business that I, was, that I thought about. Okay, could we make dry cocktail mixes that wouldn't freeze? They're shelf stable. You can bring them literally anywhere you can go and make a cocktail. Fast forward to getting down the mountain get back to Lafayette, Louisiana, where it's like a balmy 95 degrees and name comes to me. We buy, we buy the website and we say, this is it. We're going to try this out and see where it goes. The old fashioned was the first flavor. And it was, man, it was interesting. It really was at first. Cause we were, you know, we were making the flavors, we were sourcing the packaging, we we're trying to get it all going and just making the mistakes. That was the big thing for us in, in just literally enjoying the process as we were going through it. So after I wrote up that story, I actually ordered some of the mixes 
to try them out. I tried the bees knees because I was really big into gin at the end of last year, even though I was really big into old fashions as well. But then the Bloody Mary, which is always just nice to have uh, around uh, in, a, in a pinch. Now, for folks that haven't tried your product or are not familiar with it, it is a granular sort of like, almost like Starbucks via for cocktails where you're just adding either a little bit of ice or water in the case of what I had and then the mix with the spirit, whatever you, the spirit of choice is. Right. It's true. Yeah. We, we like to say it's like adult Kool-Aid. I don't know if I can legally say that, but we like to say it's like adult right. Kool-Aid. Just like I'm not saying it's Starbucks, but it's sort of like a, a one stop where you just pour it in and you mix it up and, and, and basically voila, you have the, the cocktail. How did you, how did you figure out a way to make, like to combine those ingredients and then distill it into that granular, like what is, what does that process look like to make the mix? So A, there's a lot of spreadsheets. A lot of ratios, a lot of numbers involved with it. And B, it's a lot of trial and error. You know, we do a lot of focus groups. We do a lot of test groups. We ourselves go, you know, let's say in terms of the old fashioned, for instance, we probably went and drank, you know, upwards 50, 60, 70 old fashions at places, everything from the top of the line old fashioned all the way down to, we had a guy make it with orange juice and grenadine in there. So really find your baseline and find what works. And when you translate that to a spreadsheet, you have a lot of history, especially in these classes, because we only focus on classics. So there's a lot of history, a lot of, you know, ratios of how people create these cocktails. And what it boils down to is synthesizing flavors to basically tell your mind, tell your palate that that's what you're drinking. And I know it sounds like some mad science, but in, you know, like the case of bitters, there are a lot of different flavor profiles, dry flavor profiles that you can use to kind of echo those flavors that you get from a bitters or an orange, you know, or a citrus in the case of our margarita, or even in the Bloody Mary, you know, we, we actually use tomato powder in there and we wanted more right. of a bright, just fresh tomato flavor instead of like a stewed tomato flavor, which you get from, you know, other mixes like liquid mixes and things like that. Right. So then how do you, so you make, you mix powders or, or like, what is like creating those granules? Like the bee's knees is like, it looks like sugar in the raw essentially, but it's got that lemon flavor to it. How do you create those, that actual granule? So the bee's knees is actually crystallized honey. So we use a crystallized honey in there and then we use a lot of like lemon extract and lemon oil okay. and, you know, a lot of different other lemon flavors to saturate those granules in a sense, but it's actually honey. A lot of people don't know that about our bees knees. Okay. It's legitimately honey. So you start with the old fashioned. I've already mentioned the bloody Mary and the bees knees. Talk about creating the original flavors that um, you started the, the business with. So we went from the, the old fashioned through to the classic daiquiri. And the funny story about the classic daiquiri is that came about because we had a failed attempt on the Moscow mule. And I'm not saying that we'll never create a Moscow mule. It's just a hard one to do because of the ginger and the amount of sugar in it. So then from the classic daiquiri, we moved on to the original. And the original is to kind of hark back to the beginning of what the cocktail is. And it has just original cocktail flavors. So very like licorice you know, bittery profile with a little bit of simple syrup to kind of, you know, enhance and kind of not overshadow a rye whiskey or just a whiskey in, in general. The bee's knees and from the margarita, margarita to a cosmopolitan and then cosmopolitan all the way through into the Bloody Mary and things like that. We, we really pride ourselves on sticking with the classics because for us, you know, there's a lot of history involved with these cocktails and we didn't want to overshadow that with, 
you know, a blueberry margarita or a burnt cherry old fashioned. There's a reason why these recipes have been this way for 150 years. You know, we really wanted to celebrate that. Nice. So you came up with that, you got the website, um, you get the product out in the world. Um, what did it look like mm-hmm. to get that stuff off the ground and start selling and fulfilling orders? It was super interesting. You know, we, we start our first event we actually did was a face-to-face event in my hometown of uh, St. Bernard, Louisiana. We went back and we kind of just, you figured we'd give back to the community. So we did a face-to-face event. And I remember at the end of the event, we sitting there, <laughs> we were looking at each other like, we're just selling people, you know, a, a, a dry cocktail mix. This is the craziest thing. But the look on people's faces when they tried it and, and the look when someone said, yeah, that's an old fashioned, it was, it was incredible. And it kind of gives you this like almost surreal high and you, you're like, yeah, this is, you know, this, this is something, you know, when we started, we actually didn't have the same type of jar that we have now. We started with an actual metal container and we learned fairly quickly that, yeah, that container looked good, but it didn't function how we wanted to. And, you know, that's, that's the thing with being a business owner. You really, you have to go through these motions and, and you really need to look at things and you assess it and say, okay, that's not working. Pivot and do something else. So then that led to our current jars that we have now. The plastic jar with the metal lid kind of evokes that vintage look, that shoe shine look that you'd find like in your grandpa's closet or, you know, his workshop or something like that. And we found that that jar worked really well for us because it allowed people to see the mix. It was clear. So they knew what they were getting. They had a visual representation of what was actually going on. And that, that really helped sell our product for sure. One thing uh, that was funny when I, when I got the product is that little like wooden spoon that it comes with. Oh man, that little spoon. I tell you, that was that, that was insanely difficult to source. <laughs> I can imagine. And well, that's, we have, it has to fit and one. then it's got to be the right measuring too. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We literally have one company that we use and I mean, we buy them by the thousands, you know, right. we'll buy them by 2000 or 4,000 or uh, just those little spoons. And I have a fear one day that they're going to call us up and say, Hey, we're not making those anymore. And I'm going to say, how many do you have? I'm going to buy every single one of them. <laughs> right. So that, that means there's a few elements. You've got your actual ingredients, you know, you've got your package, you've got that spoon. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you got the labels that go on the top side yeah, and the absolutely. bottom. Where does all that assembly go? Like, how do you, where does this happen for you? So we do it all ourselves. It's the company is literally owned by myself and my wife and we do everything ourselves. So every jar you no, we do not. We actually use a facility here in Lafayette. It's an FDA approved kitchen and we make it in there. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of love that goes into each one of those jars, a lot of long nights and a lot of, you know, painstaking weekends doing it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's an interesting thing, man. So I assume, well, this is a full-time job in a way, but it also, is it working (laughs) to be a full-time business? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm really hoping it is, you know, we're seeing a lot moving into 2020. We're seeing a lot of traction within our business and within, you know, the cocktail mixer marketplace. And what we like to say is, you know, we're a small business and the thing that sets us apart from these, our competitors in the market, as well as other cocktail mix companies is we have the ability to adapt and we have the ability to do things that, you know, they normally wouldn't do. Like last year we released, it was our first release series mix. We called it RS1, the gold rush. And I literally put 24 karat gold in a cocktail mix. 
And the, the buzz you got from that, like the buzz I got from that, the blogs people wrote about it, like these guys put gold in a mix. Our competitors aren't doing that. And I said, why the hell not? Why wouldn't I do that? It's so interesting, you know? So, but the, the industry is really growing and we're finding, like I said, a fair amount of traction. And it's really about getting our mixes in different avenues and trying to, you know, figure out different places for them to go and, and different use cases in a sense. So you, you started this business on the outdoor experience being mm-hmm. outside. Is that an industry that you're going after a target market of some kind? It is, you know, we, we were in REI for a brief moment and we're in a lot of outfitters that are around the country as well. And we found that that is a, a core business for us, the outdoor industry. We've also found that there's a lot of business within the distillery industry. You know, it, what the distillery industry has taught us and it's kind of something new for us in 2020 is that it, it celebrates our mixes, but in turn, it also celebrates the spirits that it's used with. Cause that's a big thing for us. We really don't want to overshadow the spirits. You know, a lot of people like different whiskeys or different vodkas or different rums. So we really want to celebrate what you like. And for us having our mixes in a distillery celebrates them just as much as it does us for sure. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Obviously like you want to be in that distillery when people are buying bottles or in liquor stores, do you have any liquor store sort of distribution uh, strategies around that at all? So we're trying, we've, we've had talks, you know, with specs and total wine and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, nothing's really materialized and I would love them to, I, you know, we, when we go to Texas and, you know, outside of Louisiana, we definitely shop at those places and we'd, we'd really love to be in their mixer aisle. It, it would be right. awesome. Okay. So that is a future plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, I was seeing you shout us out whenever you'd be putting in order when new labels were come. Tell us a little bit about your label design and how it functions on your package. So I'll say first, the, how we found you guys at Sticker Giant was A, we saw that you cut labels with lasers and we were like, oh, lasers, that's so awesome. So it is awesome. we were like, we were just sucked in at that moment. And B, you guys were the only people online and honestly anywhere that we found that were able to do the labels we wanted in a matte finish and, you know, actually have a point person that I could talk to and, and literally work with me on these labels and make them in the sizes that I wanted and, and have the three different labels that were all color matched and they were laser cut and they were cut perfectly. And from, you know, from a label standpoint, we wanted our lab, we wanted our labels and our mixes to stand out. So you, when you look at our mixes, the very clean, simple aesthetic, but it really kind of echoes an old world feel, you know, and we, yeah. we've been through a few label iterations since we started the business in three years. And, and that results in boxes and boxes of labels that, never got used. You know, we have a thousands of them actually that are just sitting in boxes that we never use because we assess that we needed to pivot and move on. And, you know, throughout that whole process, the label has gotten simpler, simpler, simpler throughout the whole thing and really bold in a sense to where when you look at it, you see whose mix it is, what mix it is and how do you use it? And that was like a big thing for us because we also did a lot of focus group on that, you know, looking at the label and like looking at the jar and saying, how do you use this? You know, what areas catch your eye first? Where's all the pertinent information and how does it read? How does it function? That was a big thing for us. No, I love that actually. Cause like when I, when I saw the label myself, I was like, wow, it's bold. The type is right there front and center. You got the empty space to handwrite with the Sharpie, the batch number, which I thought was a great Absolutely. design conceit. And then you have the wrap on the side. And then of course on the bottom, 
Um, I really loved how you used the, the iconography for the mix, like to actually make each one. It's like, you know, take your one ounce of spirits, take your ice, your water, and then like the amount of scoops. I thought the, the sort of visual information design was, was really clean. And that's what struck me. Do you do that work yourself? Like the, the actual graphic design? Yeah. So all the, all the marketing, all the graphic design, everything was done by me. My, my background is in product design. So I went to school to learn how to design products, anything from a pencil all the way up through a car, you know, and it's, I took all that knowledge every, of how to take a product from a napkin sketch, which essentially this was an idea through into market and know everything associated with it. So you leverage those skills. That's really cool. Absolutely. Um, so you're hand applying these labels that we are. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's because each one has, each jar has like three. Yeah. Each jar has a top side and bottom label. Now we've thought about creating, you know, specific jigs to automate it. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a quality associated with the product too. Yeah. I think people read into Cause you know, if you go on the shelf and you, at least myself and I grab something, I look at it, I'm like, man, the labels are skewed. Or this yeah, it's not centered. Like <laughs> yeah. It's not centered. And, and that's because it's done by a machine and a machine doesn't look at that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so, and on your site, you know, you've got travel in general, which is like a huge bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, travel's a massive industry. Uh, camping, rocking, which I, I assume means like going to shows or seeing Absolutely, festivals. yeah, going to festivals and things. The beach, obviously, this is great if you just like pack all that stuff. Home, of course, I was consuming it at home. It was worked for me just fine. And then earth, of course, which is where we travel. <laughs> How do you sort of, uh, when it comes to doing e-commerce with those sort of really three segments when you think about it, like travel is like a global thing, Mm -hmm. camping, and then more like vacationing, which is what I I kind of view both festivals and beach, beach stuff. Cause I could see myself throwing this in my bag just to go, you know, virtually anywhere. How do you like uh, segment those audiences for e-commerce targeting? It's honest. It's difficult to be honest with you. You know, we, we try and put out a lot of, I guess, marketing, you know, in our social channels and our email blasts and things like that. I'm not going to say they're super targeted. I would say that they're, they're more or less not general, but provide a, a little bit of knowledge associated with the product. You know, I, there, there are specific posts. Like if you look at our social media, we do some posts where for camping, we'll take a bunch of pictures and we'll post that. So there's not really a rhyme or reason to it, I would say, but from a, from a targeting standpoint, it's, it's really about, how can I say this? It's really about creating that, that, uh, that want that someone, when they see it, it's kind of like an associative property. You know, they seem like, Oh man, they're using it camping. So I can potentially use it camping Sure. or they're using it at the beach. So I can use it at the beach. And it's, it's really about making it applicable and making it, you know, like when someone looks at it, they say, Oh yeah, I've done that. I can totally do that. And that, that's a big thing with our brand. It's like keeping it real, I guess, is that's, that's the big thing. Because you see, especially a, a fair amount of our competitors in the marketplace, it just almost looks too fake. It looks too, you know, whereas if, if we're filming a video on top of a mountain like we did of our mixes at Lacan, and I haven't published it yet, but we're, I'm sitting there and a gust of wind comes through and blows the whole container over. That kind of stuff happens, you know? So it's, it's really, it's about showing that and, and about really... When someone sees, they say, yeah, I can see that happen. That's interesting, you know, and they, they like it. Have you gone after getting um, the press or the media to review your products? So in relation to the, like, the press, I think what you said, 
we try and do, you know, we try and tag a lot of people in our posts and things like that. And we, we also try and give back to the, you know, the community by going on like the local news shows and things like that. Because for us, it, we're, you know, we're based in a small town here in Louisiana and we're based in Lafayette and it's, we try and, and do as much local stuff as we can. That's kind of a big thing for us. And you, it's very interesting when I would, when I tell you that there's probably more people in Lafayette that don't know about us than elsewhere. There's probably okay, more the same people problem outside in of the, our, our own, yeah, our, our own home city and state that know about us than inside of Louisiana, which is, I, that's the way, you know, the connected world we live in works. It's, it's very interesting. So where have you noticed most of your orders coming from? What are some popular geographies? Order geography, that's the most interesting parts about the business. And I would say that there's a, there's a core majority of people that do buy within Louisiana, you know, like Baton Rouge or New Orleans and things like that. But what surprises me is when someone in upstate New York or someone in Seattle or, you know, Oakland, California buys one of our mixes and, and we're big on finding out that data and tracking that data. So when you buy from us online, we have little radio buttons that you can push and it'll tell you, you know, like, yeah, I found you on Google search or I found uh-huh. you on Instagram or Facebook. And it, it's so interesting for us to see when buys it from Connecticut where they actually found us. And we found a lot of, a lot of good feedback from, you know, Google AdWords and things of that nature, like search engine optimization stuff versus, you know, your Instagram or your Facebook. But from a geography standpoint, I would say we're, I probably haven't sold anything to anybody in like Wyoming. So if anybody's listening from Wyoming, definitely buy some jars. That would be really cool, you know, or some single serves, but most other States, I think we've, we've pretty much sold to, we're in Canada as well. Um, we're in Cocktail Emporium in Canada. Like I think they're in Toronto. Nice. So that, that was our first international client, which was really cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, in our business, we see a lot of California, Texas, New York. Uh, so it's always interesting to see how other businesses are figuring out how to scale and reach those different demographics. What is next for Leisure Mans in 2020? Man, that's, that's a great question. So I would say what's next for us is really, I'd say in 2020, defining where we sit within the market. You know, that to me, that's a big thing. And, and trying to trying to drive the business in a, in a direction where we still hold on to, you know, our core of, of what it actually is, you know, enjoying cocktails and promoting that history behind them and, and really promoting the cocktail for what it is. And from a market standpoint, you know, uh, there's one side of me as a business owner that says, yeah, I just want Leisureman's mixes to be everywhere. I want, I want SpaceX to take them to the moon. I want NASA to take them to Mars. I want, I want them to be in everybody's bar kitchen everywhere. And then there's the other side of me that says, okay, well, how do you get to that point? How do you make Leisureman's a household name? And I, it, there's a lot of, a lot of strategic planning behind that. And in 2020, you know, I, I think that the industries we're probably going to end up targeting, you know, the distilleries are a huge industry for us. And that, that kind of helps us promote local business, honestly. And, and we're, we're all about that. You know, if, if we could be in a distillery, we promote them just as much as they're promoting us. And that goes in terms for local businesses as well. We like having our products in local boutiques and local men's shops and women's shops, barber shops, things like that, because it really helps build up that local infrastructure, you know, cause we're a small business. And like I tell people, you know, 
us as a small business doesn't put another car in the CEO's garage. It, you know, it helps us get through. It helps buy our kids clothes. It helps, you know, help us enjoy things and help give back to the community in a sense, you know? I do. Here's a question that I should have opened with. Um, but where did the name Leisureman's come from? <laughs> that's a funny, that's a funny story. So I have a good buddy of mine who also has a good friend of his, so a friend of a friend. And he is in the army reservist here in Louisiana. And he was stationed in Korea for a little bit. And when you look at the Korean army, they have a division of the Korean army that loosely translates to the leisure men. Okay. So when we found that out, we said, man, that was an, that's an incredible name, the leisure men. So how can we turn that into a, a brand name? And we added the double N to it, called it Leisureman's as if it was someone's last name, you know, as, right. if, as if it was, you know, Cliff Leisureman's mixes. And I can't tell you how many people ask me, is your last name Leisureman? Uh, is your last name Man? This is, that's an awesome name. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's a really cool name. So that's, that's the story behind how we came up with uh, Leisureman's. That's fantastic. Um, so you've told us what's coming next. Where can people find Leisureman's cocktail online or in the world? So you can buy Leisureman's online, like you said, at leisureman's.com, L-E-I-S-U-R-E-M-A-N-N-S.com. You can also find us, like I said, in Canada at Cocktail Emporium if you're in Toronto. And then kind of scattered around the country, you know, we're in a fair amount of places in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans and here in Lafayette. We're also in North Carolina. We're in a distillery up there. And kind of just spattered around these little places trying to, you know, figure out little markets within, within the country. We do have on our website, a store locator. So, you know, if you want to buy a local, which we definitely, you know, say support those local guys, get the mixes from them, check it out on our website and kind of type in your, you know, your zip code and it'll point you to the, the nearest one to you. Nice. Well, Cliff, best of luck in your fourth year as a business. We're super psyched to watch your growth and all the new flavors you're coming out with. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Man, thanks for having me, Andrew. I had a blast. Well, that does it for this episode of Stickers on the Mic. I'm Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. Of course, please find a Leisureman's cocktail out there. You can order them online. It makes for a great pairing with a podcast. So definitely pick yourself up your favorite spirit and your cocktail. Sit back, listen to some stickers on the mic, and um, we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Cliff. Thanks, Andrew. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to stickergiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic. 